Tell you what, that last song, that chorus, if God is tugging on your heart and you need to be saved, you are invited to come be healed, forgiven, come broken. And I tell you what, even right now, while we're talking, if God is tugging on your heart, um, why don't you slip out? And uh, I'm sure after we get this started, Bart would love to slip down or someone else uh, talk to you about knowing Christ. And I think there may be something going on like that right now. So if that happens, just just do that. You don't have to wait till the end to respond to Christ. So if you have a Bible, if you would go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. And of course, uh, a year before last, we went through the book of Acts. And um, when... Um, I came here in some of the Q&As and talks and things like that about vision and direction and ideas and all those things. I, I had shared that the goal would be to one day be reading the book of Acts and look up and see it continuing. And um, so I thought it'd be fitting to revisit that thought and idea and um, go back to basics, so to speak. And so, Luke's sequel to the Gospel of Luke, as the people of the Gospel that come are brought into a family, and uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, Dr. Luke, under the pen of the Holy Spirit. And I want to, this is in the, after Pentecost, so we've seen in the book of Acts that this church is excited to be continuing the work of Jesus. Jesus has been risen from the grave. He has uh, ascended to heaven, and his work continues. Um, that what Jesus has done, and they're so excited as Luke picks up in the, gospel, in, in the book of Acts from the Gospel of Luke, that the work of Jesus is continuing through a people group known as the church. And these people, this group, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. They are indwelled by the Holy Spirit to advance the gospel. And they are to be witnesses to him, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so it's this geographical progress of the gospel. And so they they start praying, and they're in upper rooms, and they're praying, and then the Holy Spirit empowers them and Peter preaches this sermon at Pentecost and they commit to this this biblical preaching brings about biblical conversion as it still does today Um, and we see a response and the birth of the church now when you walk into a birthing center or a hospital um, LD P um, whatever they call the rooms now where babies are born, that um, they don't have everything they need to survive, but everything that's going to be there one day in their life is already there. Um, they don't attach arms later in life when Mrs. Potato Head shows up and add other things. It's all there. Uh, it's a lot smaller than it will be one day, but it's all there. And so when you see the birth of the church, you see the basics of what the church is and what the church has had to be a priority, and you take off all the, extra, all the extras that tend to come along with, the, along with it. And so 
I'll begin reading. We'll ask God to, to we'll read the text, ask God to help us, and then dive into this. So it says, and we'll begin reading in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. It says, And those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Let's pray to him and ask him to help us. Father, we ask for your help now. I pray that you would empower this and use this as a, um, in a sense, to, to remind us of the fundamentals and the basics and to, you would use it for your church and your people, however that you would see fit. And we know your word doesn't return void. And so we thank you for it, Lord. I, I thank you for this people and I ask that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we, we've seen a lot of things come and go, and, um, and so should the Lord tarry and what God would have for this body um, of believers, uh, I, we would want us to see us continuing to be devoted to the same things that the early church was continuing to be devoted to. So if, if, if one day we're back visiting and, and there's an anniversary or something like that, and, and we would say that whatever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you are a church, a people of God devoted to these things. So when God saves someone, he brings them into a community shaped by the gospel. And, and that, this, what you're seeing here in the birth of the church in this passage is really kind of the summary report of the early church. And so this um, is the basics the, 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 that's there. Often a coach, when he's had a team for a long time and they, um, you know, things aren't going well, they'll say, hey, we need to get back to the fundamentals. And then, or when you know you're in a high-pressure moment going out to a big game, often what the coach will say as they walk out to the, on the, walk out to the field or walk up to the batter's box or walk out on the court will be something to remind them of just the basics. Like someone who's, they're in a championship game, and as the batter goes to the batter's box, the coach will say, keep your eye on the ball. The same thing you said to him in T-ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Or to your infield, two hands. Or get your shot, you know, plant your feet, shots, deep, deep base, or whatever it is that is, is uh, that, that fundamental. And you're like, well, I knew that, but you're in the championship game, so you're, why are you reminding us to watch the ball? Duh. Because we always need to go back to the basics, the fundamentals. And so when we see here in the summary of the church, of the church we see the basics. This is uh, the first um, of such summaries in the book of Acts. And we saw this, and it's almost like these basics, this is what you do, is just what you repeat over and over and over. And so what I want to do today is kind of as you're running out on the mound, 
um, to just say, keep to the basics. Um, just repeat the basics. And, and that's really what it is. It's, it's doing the same thing, committed to the same thing over and over and over again with a good attitude and being fresh with it and just being faithful to that. And what this is, is this shows us what the priorities were to the early church. And I'm going to contend to you that we need to make the priorities of the early church our priorities as well. So, Emmanuel, here's the message today. One sentence. Be devoted to making the early church's priorities your priorities. Be devoted to making the early church's priorities your priorities. So, a priority is what's important. And sometimes we need to pare down, see what's the priority here, what do we need to do? we got all these lists of tasks to do. Let's pick the big three that we can do today, or what's the most important thing? So when it comes to all that a church might be and do, what's the most important thing? Because our priorities reveal what's most important to us. Our priorities reveal what's most important to us. Um, and um, wh- whatever it is, you know, you have priorities. You know, I, usually like right after this hour, most of us have a priority of feeding ourselves. That's the priority. Don't care what's going on, business meeting, somebody, whatever, let's, ha- let's go eat. And then we'll deal with anything else. Or the priority is whatever that priority is, it shows where. So your priorities reflect the posture of your heart. And I'm going to contend that the priorities that a church, that you have as, in the, as an individual and as a church, will show the posture of your heart towards the Bible towards the people of God and towards God's plan or his pattern for his church. How your priorities are will show the posture of your heart towards the Bible, God's plan, and God's pattern. And so so it says here, so this is what it looks like when the early church is living out their mission, living out their theology, taking their theology, that engine of their theology that they know about Jesus and the gospel and they've been redeemed and putting wheels on it so that now it can run to make it practical. This is what it's supposed to look like. And it says that they continually devoted themselves to some things. This is what's important. So you see that translated either as they devoted themselves, it's a verb, or, or you see that continued steadfastly. It means they were really given to this. They continued steadfastly or they were devoted to some things. And this is, so I say, make these priorities that they are devoted to our priorities. Because, as someone said, Without clarity in biblical and theology foundations for ministry techniques and methods, they will become detached from the vision that birthed them. If we're not committed to, this is our priority, then all the things, methodologies and techniques and structures and buildings, things get detached. And you forget, why in the world do we even have this? Why didn't we have this program or that program or this ministry or that ministry? And we need to make sure it's always attached to the pri. And so, um, also, we, we get so stuck on ourselves, especially in our Western minds. Um, we make our individual needs come before the needs of anything. Um, and so, when we look at the church in the Bible, it's not about what an individual receives. It's about what the congregation, the corporate group, is devoted to. And so don't see church like a cafeteria, okay? Don't see church like a cafeteria. Now, I'll drop in and drop out. It's not a food court. It's a family meal, okay? Um, it, it's, it's not a food court. It's a family meal. Now, the family can all go to the food court together. That's fine. And you go get your 
hot dog from T&L and you go get your food court Chinese food and you go get your sub and we're all going to eat together, but we're a family doing it, right? And so, um, so what we see in this passage, we see it divided into two sections. In verse 42, we see the description of the components of this church. And then we see later in verses 43 to 47, the d- demonstration of the effects of this, these components that they were committed to. And really what we're looking at here is we're, so we're going to divide this up into a gospel people with gospel priorities produce gospel products, okay? Uh, gospel produce. So gospel people, gospel priorities, gospel produce. Um, and so the first is that we see a gospel people. Now really what we're seeing here in the book of Acts is a, a, an assimilation as God brings his people into a community. So the logical progression is, is those that receive the word were baptized and added to the church. That's how it works. Salvation, baptism, church membership. Simple as that. Salvation, baptism, church membership. A saved, baptized group of people covenanted together in the body of Christ. And so I want you to note, they were, this is, so this is a lesson in assimilation. Right here in the early church, lesson in assimilation. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So uh, as someone said it this way, we want to take people from the front porch to the kitchen. If I walk by your house, usually the people you don't know, you just talk to them on the front porch. You might say, hi, hey, thanks for dropping off that box with the big um, uh, the, the UPS with maybe the Amazon sticker on the side of it. Thanks for it. But you don't really get to know your a UPS guy that well. Although I had a UPS guy, we were Amazon Prime addicts, and I literally still have his uh, cell phone number. We would text each other and things like that, and that's really bad. That's borderline addiction right there. But um, uh, but anyway, but you don't normally have your UPS guy coming in. They start there. Your neighbors start there. But ask so you get to know someone. Maybe they come in, they have coffee or have a snack with you. And once they become part of family or friends, then you just are standing around the kitchen talking. And that's really what we're trying to do. If someone comes, you want to bring them from the front porch to the kitchen of the church, in a sense. That you want to, hey, glad you're here. Salvation, that they were received the word, baptized, added to the church. So as the old preachers would say, we want to win them, wet them, and work them. <laughs> you know, and, that's how, and that's how it goes. So it's a lesson in assimilation. So you can't separate evangelism from discipleship. It is part of the Great Commission. You can't do one without the other. Go into all the world and bapt- teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, and to the end of the earth. So you can't separate it. So... Um, Baptism in a Jewish culture, uh, baptism was a rite for Gentile converts as they came into this. So on this day, 3,000 were baptized. And you say, how is that possible? Because they were doing it all the time anyway. Rituals, cleansings, things like this. And yes, I believe there's evidence archaeologically, historically, that this could have been done by immersion all up and around the Temple Mount 3,000 people, and so those of you people that think they had to get a fire hose to sprinkle everybody, I would differ with you. They were all immersed. They were baptized, dunked, and um, there we go. Baptists are glad about that one, right? Okay, so, um, and then they're brought into the body of Christ, the visible body of Christ, the, the invisible, their salvation's made visible, they're brought into the body of Christ. So they are a people. They're brought in. And then they show, that's the gospel people, are committed to gospel priorities. So it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly into four different things. 
Now, I want you to note just from this phrase, they devoted themselves or they continued steadfastly to. They, these are their priorities. These four things that are mentioned, these are corporate priorities. So that's the first point there. These are corporate priorities, meaning they together, as a corporate group of people, they were together. There's not Lone Ranger Christians. Let me tell you, there are, you don't read the Bible and see Christians in the New Testament that are not connected to the local church, okay? This, well, it's an individual thing. I can blah, 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 and I don't need church. I'm, you know, I don't need to organize religion. I got salvation. No, 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 no. In the New Testament, there's no Lone Rangers. They're part of the body of Christ. Um, so, um, so it's their corporate priorities. They're not alone. There's a fellowship, and we'll get to that when we get to the fellowship, fellowship word. Then these are, these, these, these are corporate priorities, but they're also continual. They're continuous priorities. They continued steadfastly. That word is present, active, present, and active. Is it present, active? They are this is, set, this is their thing. They continually devoted themselves. It was continuous. They're doing it right now. And so your walk with God is only as good as it is current. It's, a, it's not about, it, they, they continually, step, so it's what, it's what not, they, they did this, they're doing this, they're going to do this, and there's an activity. There's work involved. They were, they were devoted to continued steadfastly. So folks, this is what we do. We, we don't look, it's, it's present and it's active. It's right now. So your walk with God is only as good as, you can't look back and say, well, you know, uh, 10 years ago I was reading my Bible regular and walking with God and doing this. What about right now? Well, you know, a long time ago I used to do that. No, no, no. Are you continually steadfast in it now? Well, I'm gonna one day. No. What is it right now? Your walk with God is only as good as it is current. And so too with the corporateness of the church. It's not enough to say, well, we used to, or we're gonna. And often we find ourselves in that. I find myself in that. Well, one day we're going to have this. One day we're going to that. Or we used to this back when da-da-da-da-da. And back when da-da-da-da-da, we had that. Back when we were, you know, you know, packing this out or packing that out or had this program or bungee jumping from the moon or whatever it was. That, that, that it was, it's continual. They devoted themselves continually. Um, to do, that means there's work involved. A verb means there's activity. And so church, if we're going to be a church devoted to these things, there's going to be work. And I know that's a four-letter word, literally and figuratively, but don't be allergic to work. Um, and so they were persistent. They kept with the stuff. So it's a corporate priority. It's a continuous priority. And thirdly, it is their central priority. This is the basics. This is the central priorities that they gave. Okay? They continually devoted themselves. They were devoted, continued steadfastly. They were single. This is their central. This is, this is what they do. This is the bread and butter. They devote these new converts didn't they this was this was the core of what they became it became their dna this is became what they were all about their core values the central them they didn't just add christianity to the big list of other things that they were doing already because if you're going to devote yourself to something that means there's going to be other things that you don't get to do if you're going to be committed if you're going to be devoted to that means there's other things that you're not devoted to when I stood in front of a group of people and said to Jamie, 
that I am promising, I'm committing to make you and, and be devoted to you and only you as long as we both shall live. And I want to be your lawfully, um, you'll be my lawfully wedded wife. And then she said to me, you'll be my awfully wedded husband, right? Um, that, that by saying I'm going to be devoted to her means I'm not devoted to anyone else, Right? So if you're going to say, I'm going to be devoted, we as a group of people are going to make the priorities of the early church, our priorities, we're going to be continue steadfastly, we're going to be devoted to things, it means there's going to be other things you're not devoted to. So these are Roman Christians in the Roman world, and Rome offers a lot, right? And if you know anything about what's going on down in Caesarea and other parts of Asia Minor, even in Jerusalem at this time, there's a lot of entertainment opportunities for them. There's a lot of things that they can do. Um, that these early Christians, they didn't just add Christianity to their busy schedules and see if it worked in. You know, hey, Peter, can you offer some extra services that will fit our schedule more? Um, hey, Peter, can you put this, make it a convenient time for me? Um, they devoted themselves to it. That doesn't mean you don't show practicality and make things convenient and work, work with people and try to be as accommodating as possible, but you don't. Uh, have a, a consumer mentality. And so there were probably some Roman athletic events that some of these Christians had to miss. If you're going to be worshiping Jesus on Sunday, which was normally a work day, I'm, most of these disciples are commercial fishermen. They have businesses to run. These are small business owners. I'm sure they probably missed some sales of fish because they were out early on Sunday when other people were at market, when they were worshiping on Sunday. And you know what that means, Christians? We are not better than them. That there are certain things that if you're going to be devoted to this, you're going to not be doing other things. Um, this comes to something, as, something like the, the, the disciples that were fishermen, that they weren't out selling and fishing on Sunday morning when others were. To They might have missed some Roman athletic events. So there's going to be times when, you know what? We're not going to be at soccer or baseball on Sunday morning. Or we're not going to be doing this on Sunday morning. And, and, we, and, and you know, and I know there's exceptions, and I'm not trying to be a legalist about it, but I can think of some. Uh, but it's usually the others that are great examples that we look at. I know you probably, just like me, have on a Sunday pulled into Chick-fil-A's drive-thru and been sorely disappointed, right? Now, I'm, I eat at restaurants on Sunday. So I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite here, right? But you know what? I have the utmost respect for Truett Cathy to stick down that we're going to worship God and be with family on one day a week. And we're going to miss out on sales that all the other fast food chains are, uh, are going to get. But in God's providence, they make up for it in the other six days, don't they? And, um, and even if they didn't, there's still a respect and admiration of honoring the Lord's Day there. Or maybe you hear, maybe hear stories of like um, uh, maybe the old Chariots of Fire movie, the story of Eric Little, the Scottish uh, athlete turned missionary who was running in the 100-meter dash, uh, 110 back then, 110 yards, and the finals or what it was ran in the Olympics. We're not talking about just a regular. We're talking the Olympics on a Sunday morning. And he says, no, I'm not going to miss Sunday morning. And you're like, you know, whatever. But you know what? He went on and he ran the 440 or the 400 meter dash and he won it back in the 1930s. 
And you know what? I'm sure some of the other runners in, that, in the Olympics that year were Christians. And I'm sure some of them ran on Sunday morning. And, but you know what? I haven't seen any movies made about them. Um, and I don't know of any of them that went on to serve the Lord as missionary to China. Uh, he made an impact with his life because he devoted himself to something. Um, so when you see a church like the early church that gave themselves to these things, I want you to ask, would I fit in in this church? If there was a church like the church we were seeing here in, in Acts 2, in our town, would you visit and think, I don't know how to fit there. Those people are crazy. I mean, they like work hard. That's like a cult. I mean, it's like wrapping up there, like into that. Would you have that? Think about that. I'm sure there were people like thinking that about the early Christians in the, in the church. Like, man, I got stuff to do on Sunday. You know, I want to do that. that. That daily stuff in the temple and in their houses. Oh, my word. You give us some space here. You guys heard about boundaries? Keep that stuff private. Would you, and then ask yourself, and if that's the case, is what you're believing and looking for really biblical Christianity? Or is it some American knockoff spin distortion of biblical Christianity? But if you want biblical Christianity, these are people devoted to something. So, um, what are they devoted to? What are the priorities? What are their core priorities that they are corporate, continuous, and central priorities that they have? Well, the first one's this, the biblical teaching. They were given to the apostles' teaching. The, they were devoted to some things. The word of God was the central thing. They had a priority of God's word. That means that the Bible sets the agenda. The Bible sets the agenda. This is the pattern. The Bible, whatever the Bible says is so. The early church would not recognize this anti-intellectual thinking of the modern church that, well, we don't worry about that theology stuff. We just want to praise the Lord. No, they knew the Bible and there was teaching involved. This, I had, they didn't have a downplaying of the teaching of doctrine. and the, that This incessant idea that we have to repackage the scriptures in some pop culture and make it more relevant. No, 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 no. It is a living. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is relevant. It is alive. It just needs to be let loose. It doesn't need us to pretty it up. It just needs us to herald it. and It'll do its work. And so they gave out the word. So teaching, they gave their themselves continually to the apostles' teaching. It means what the, they, they taught this. Teaching and instruction are a part of this community. The centrality of teaching and preparing new members to share this life was so important. Je- Jesus even gifted his church with certain gifts, one of which was the Ephesians 4 pastor-teacher. The idea that teaching is just for a class or something like that and not for sermons is not consistent with the New Testament pattern. And so church, I say you want someone to stand behind this podium that will teach the Bible. Because this is what a church devoted to the priorities of the early church was devoted to. The apostles' teaching. Uh, They were devoted to this. And that means the Bible sets the agenda. The Bible, that means our worship should be word-centered. I mean, Paul even told Timothy, he said, until I come, give attention to the doctrine, to yourself, and to, to read the scriptures, to exhortation. 
So that means the Word of God should have a central place in our worship services. That it's, 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 it's all word-driven, that the Bible, and that's why we say things like being Bible-centered. So it says that they are devoted. This is one of the things they're devoted to. And then secondly, to fellowship. The word fellowship, koinonia, um, it's used often in the Bible. You see it as a fellowship or a communion. You also see it in Philippians, translated as a partnership. So, so fellowship is, it, 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 it does it can happen around food, but it doesn't require food to be there. We, we like to associate it together. But you can have, but fellowship would involve lots of things. It would involve the communion that we have together. It would also involve partnerships, even with like missionaries and things that we have a fellowship. We have a partnership in the gospel with them that we're partnered together in certain things. This fellowship. So they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The fellowship. God's people being together in communion together. You need each other. Don't go it alone. You need it. And so uh, together, you see that word used often in the scriptures, that they did it together in the church, the people. Um, they they, they want to be involved. And you know what? When we're going through hard times, that's when we need each other. In fact, the book of Hebrews talks about this, that as things are going and as, as, such, the, as you see the day approaching, that we should not neglect the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. You know what I, I love about that in Hebrews? You know what it doesn't say? As things are getting bad, things are getting worse, get together for more and longer sermons. It says to get together for exhorting one another and encouraging one another. And you know what, church? You need each other. You need things like going out to lunch after a service or hanging out and meeting people. That's often where... And you know what? You know there will be times you're like, oh, they got someone filling in or whatever. That's not the real guy preaching or whatever. Oh, I'm going to skip to them today. Do you know that even, even if Billy Graham came and stood behind this pulpit, there will be some people that will come and the encouragement and blessing they got that day would not be hearing Mr. Graham's sermon. It might be the hug you gave him in the back or the encouragement you gave him in the parking lot on, as they came in or remembering something about him. And think about that when you're thinking, ah, I think I'll skip today. No, God, we need each other. We, we come not for what we get, but what we give. But to, to encourage and exercise our gifts, even in the smallest way, they gave themselves to the fellowship. We need to be connected with the body. There's no lone rangers. That, that we are to be independent is to be distinctly non-Christian. We are to be connected and persistent together. And then it says, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. I think this is an allusion to fellowship meals and as well as the Lord's table. That um, often in the early church, uh, the fellowship meal, the Lord's table was connected with a fellowship meal. Um, and, 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 and sometimes we've, we've done that. We're going to have communion here and then have a fellowship meal afterwards like we're going to do today or, or, or however that might be. That there is a connection there that you need that. That means that the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's table are important parts to be devoted to because that's the bringing in and the reminding of what the body is. And then it says the prayers. Now that's not a mistake there in verse 42 when it says they devoted themselves to the prayers because I think it alludes to personal prayer and also the prayers of the saints. And of course, there's the allusion of the prayers of the saints that are in Revelation. And I think that's an important reminder that we as a church need to be devoted to the priority, the corporate, continuous 
and central priorities of prayer. That prayer needs to be a priority. And not just individual, but corporate. And so folks, I mean, as lovingly as I can say, we need a resurgence of corporate prayer. And I don't care if that's on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Tuesday afternoon. I don't, but the, 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 people getting together for the purpose of praying for each other in their body, their church. Um, and so uh, encourage that. And so, um, and there's also fellowship meals involved. That's an important thing, to eat together. Um, there's something that happens there. So, then, so, there's, so we've seen these gospel people that have gospel priorities in verse 42. And then we see verse 43 to 47, gospel product, produce. This, this gospel community produces things. So it says that they have verse 43 and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things common. And, and in verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, sometimes we can be so quick to point out what this passage is not saying that we forget to say what it is saying. Because there are a group of people that like to say this is socialism in the early church and that the really good Christians are going to be socialists. Well, we just have everything. There's no personal. But note that they, it's, so it's not saying that. They, they individually, willingly gave of their personal property. Wasn't forced by a senator from Vermont telling them they had to give it up. Right? Okay. Um, it wasn't forced upon them. They willingly gave it. There's a difference between a tax and a gift, okay? Um, the, and then at other times, I mean, and later on, Ananias and Sapphira, they lie about what they sold their property for. And, and, and it says, you didn't even have to do this. You didn't even have to sell it. Your personal property is still personal property. Intrinsic in the, in the, the, the command, thou shalt not steal, is the idea that someone else owns it, Okay? So personal property is part, part of there. So it's not communism. But what it, so, so we can be quick to say this is not what it's not saying. But what it is saying is that they had a one bleeds, we all bleed mentality. That there was a, this is our body, this is our fellowship, and we are one anothering and we're taking care of each other. And I think that's what we need to get. That, that there is, uh, that we're making sure. Now, if there are other means and institutions and organizations and programs to help be involved in that, great. And they didn't have it this time, but the heart is still, when I see a sister in need and she's in our church, that I want to make sure that's covered somehow. Um, and that we have that one anothering mentality. They, and then, uh, so they have generous hearts. They viewed themselves as family. And family takes care of family, right? And then later on in the passage, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with gladness and generous hearts. There's a generosity. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there was a, um, you know, the uh, in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. There's, a little, there's, a, there's an upright that they're praising God. There's an upward focus of the church of our worship. There's an inward that they're looking at themselves and what's going on. There's an outward, there's a testimony that they're praying for favor with the people. And I don't think it's wrong at all to pray that God, would you give Emmanuel Baptist Church favor in Clarksburg? 
Would you give it favor? Would you give it a good testimony amongst first responders and business leaders and the community leaders? God, would you give our school a good testimony and reputation in the education community? Would you give favor here? I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. The church is just a uh, it, it, church is not just a learning church or a worshiping church and, and a loving church, but it's a culturally engaged evangelistic church. It's involved in the community. And, and this kind of engagement has a positive effect on outsiders. So everything about the gospel and the acts tells us that God's people are to take the initiative in showing the gospel and serving others around them. And then the result is that the Lord added to the church. Now, you can't get away. The Lord added to the church day by day those who are being saved. The, that, that, that salvation is of God. He is the one that does it. He is the one that adds to his church. You know what's not there? Because Peter and the other guys had the coolest marketing plan, the church grew. Because they had the best gimmicks, that if they got this many people to come to the Temple Mount, Peter would get up on a pedestal and swallow a goldfish. And everybody could cheer that we broke the record for attendance that day. No, they preached, they did what was right, and the Lord added to the church. And you know, in the end of the day, I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody. The Lord's the one who does it. He is the one who's over everything. And he is the one that saves. And so we look at that and we say, God, the Lord added, we share Christ not only um, by what one says, but what we do, and the Lord uses that. And so we need to be committed to this great commission, this great commandment. that we want this community to be appreciative of our church, that we want our neighborhood to be better because we're here, that we want them to, 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 to be there with this community. Okay, so um, this is the goal, this present active, they continually. These were the priorities of the early church. We, we saw these people, their priorities, and the product of their lives this way. So as I said at the beginning, priorities reveal what's most important to us. Priorities reflect the posture of the heart. And so, what are the priorities of us, of you individually, as us as a corporate, as a group of people, as a church? What are our priorities? Let me tell you, our priorities, if they're not, it'll show if our priorities are the same as the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. How a church views what is taught in the teaching of the scripture will show if that's priority well, we don't really need someone to be devoted to that, or we really can get by with, we need to have the Bible be a central thing. It's important. Sheep need sheep food, right? And we need the word of God taught to us. Um, and um, we, it's, it's an important thing. It, the teaching and classes and all of the things that go involved in making disciples, it shows the posture of our heart towards the Bible. It shows the posture of our heart towards God's people and fellowship. And it shows the posture of our heart towards prayer. If we don't have a posture of our heart towards prayer, man, I mean, this is convicting to me because what kind of arrogance thinks you can do God's work without God that you don't need to spend time praying to him about? How arrogant is that? Um, And how God wants this church to be, that we can somehow reshape this. This is what the early church gave them to. So, Emmanuel, I love you. And I want to encourage you to be devoted 
to making the priorities of the early church your priorities, to be continually devoted steadfastly to these things. Um, and think about when, if these are the priorities, it's gonna. This is you know what happens when a church makes the priorities of the early church their priorities. You know what everyone calls it? Revival. That's what they would say. Well, this is revival. And exactly, it's revival, getting back to what life looked like in the early church that they were... So, just do it again. Be continuing. Be devoted. So, I just want to encourage you, as we close, to be a devoted church in gospel community. Let's pray.